0: Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new season and episode today. It is with with great humility and honor to be with you once again, and most of you have known that the last several episodes of season five were just dumped on you, and they were to have been spread out. Through the month of February, but I figured with all the turmoil that the world was going through and what you and I go through on a daily basis, that it was only appropriate to just bless you all with a bunch of episodes. And I appreciate your support. I appreciate your prayers. And today is a very special day to kick it off because the last episode of season five was What is the Heart sermon that I did back in November. And so I'm starting this off because I was asked to preach again. And I'm going to read a piece of scripture from 2nd Timothy 4 verses 1 and 2 which says I solemnly charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom here it is preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort and with great patience and instruction and the reason why i am reading the scripture to you now is because i was once again asked to preach and it was pretty much at the 11th hour and it was amazing because I had told our pastor that I'm always ready, and here was the test. And so what you're about ready to hear is that very sermon. Just give you a little bit of a teaser. I I dressed up that day, and I was pretty much just giving myself static, way too much static. So if you hear that a few times, just a little bit of a laugh here and there, but It's important because today many Christians deal with this very difficult question of am I saved? Is my salvation sure? And this sermon answers that question. So I hope and pray that this episode, this sermon touches your heart, edifies and sanctifies you and lets you know Without a shadow of a doubt, whether you are truly saved or not, if you are a true follower of Christ or not. And we talk about the spiritual qualities in Second Peter chapter 1 all the time. We quote it, but we haven't been in into it in very, very specific detail, and that's what this is today. So that's going to let you know if you're a true believer and truly saved. So with that being said, everybody, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all. Morning, everybody. I am uh, very honored and privileged to be here today with you all, and... This morning has been a very interesting morning. Mostly because I've had several people ask me why I'm dressed like this. Um, I'm not really sure what that means. So, I just went with it. Um, I, will, I will tell you a quick funny though. I, I teach second grade and I dress kind of like this one day. I think it was like picture day. And I she looked at me kind of up and down, all judgmental like, and she said, why are you dressed like that? I was like, "What is this supposed to mean?" I always dress like this. No, not like that. Okay, sorry. Um, so, so today uh, we're going to be in Second uh, Peter chapter one, and we're going to be going through verses one through eleven. So, if you could, uh, if you could stand with me, let's go ahead and read God's and honor God's word. So, Second Peter chapter one, we'll do verses one through eleven. This is what the Word of God says. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine nature, excuse me, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who had called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. For, now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge and your knowledge self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you today, and we honor you and give you the glory. Lord, help me to step aside, and Lord, let people hear your words, not mine. We give you, God, the glory, the honor, and praise that you are only worthy of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today I'm going to ask you for just maybe a little bit of participation, but is there anybody in here that has either struggled with test-taking or not naturally good test-takers? <laughs> let's, hey, let's be honest. How many of us, when we had a test, we were like we started sweating a little bit, I'll tell you, when I took my first driving test on the computer, I've never been so nervous in my life for no reason. And this is kind of a natural uh, theme for my life, apparently, but I missed it by one. All my friends got it except for me. So I had to go right back in, and then I I did pretty well. And then as I took a test to become a teacher, I missed it by one. And those tests take about two to three hours to complete, and about $150 at a pop. So go back all the way over there again, do it all over again. So yeah. The reason why I ask this question is, if you could have a test of of maybe that magnitude, wouldn't it be awesome to know, to have full assurance that you could pass that test 100%, that you could have everything possible to know to complete it and ace it? Wouldn't that be nice? I think so. Today, we're going to get pretty serious about our calling, our salvation. I think every Christian at some point in their life has asked the question, am I truly saved? Is my calling and election sure? And when I heard this for the first time as a young man, it has really truly impacted me here. Because what have we have been going through? These past several weeks in in 1 John, confidence, confidence in our assurance and our salvation. This here and these 11 verses, and we've already read it, but these here will give us a sure, clear cut understanding of, am I, is my salvation sure? We're going to go through these. So the goal today, uh, I didn't, I didn't wake up early enough to make a slideshow, so I do apologize But I will say this, the goal today, for those of you that have your Bibles with you, is your head is going to be looking down in the Scriptures, not at me. That's the goal today. We're going to go through these 11 verses, and we're going to mostly focus on these godly virtues, these these deep spiritual qualities. That's going to tell you for sure if you're a true believer or not. So let's go, let's... Start with verse 1. Simon Peter, we know, we know the Apostle Peter. A bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. A bondservant in the Greek means doulos, which means slave. He's identifying himself. I am a slave to Jesus Christ because he is my Lord. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God and our, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you some encouragement before we start getting through the hard stuff here. Are you hearing what Peter says? It's the same faith as his. We have the same faith as the apostles. They're not elevated into some grand place that we're not. Yes, will they, will they be judges? Sure, we know that from Scripture. But they don't have any different faith than we do. And what's amazing that we're going to find out here is we have the complete Divine revelation in your hands, on your, even on your phones, tablets, whatever you have. But listen to verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Do you want grace and peace multiplied to you? Where is it found? It's found in Christ. Knowledge in Him. How do we increase in our knowledge? This has to get in your hands, and you have to read it. And there are some of us in this room. I'm sometimes one of them. I don't know what this says. These spiritual qualities we're about to go through, what do they mean? If someone asks you what they were, could you explain it? Could I explain it? Do I really have a full understanding of what these are? Verse 3, now this has been quoted in this church for very good reason. So verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Dear brothers and sisters, God has given us everything we need. Everything we need. And it's right in his word. It doesn't do any good leaving it shut. It has to be open. It has to be read. It has to be applied. It has to be obeyed. And one thing I want to talk to you about is the word godliness. We sometimes don't have a, a an idea what that word is, and I, I had to look that up. And here's what it means. It means the word piety. It's an inner response to the things of God which shows in our reverence to him. The awe and wonder of his magnificence, his glory, his power, and his grace. But He's given us everything. We have, like I've said before, we have the complete divine revelation in this holy book. It's all right here. How do you walk closer with the Lord? It's right here. And we're going to get into it, but... Understand that we have everything we ever need right here. Now let's look at verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Let's hang out here for just a second. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. The word precious here, highly valuable. And the word magnificent, underline that word in your Bible because this is the only place that this word is used in the Bible. It's right here. So what are these promises that we're talking about? I want you to dwell on that for a second as we think. What are some of the promises of God that he, he offers us? Well, We had two men today already read from Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead in our transgressions, not physically dead. We were spiritually dead. We had no hope. There's nothing we can do on our own, on our own merits, externally and internally to mend that relationship back with God. That's why Jesus came. And trust and faith in him causes us to be what? Born again. That's a promise. And what happens when we're born again? We're supposed to become a new creation. We're brand new. The last time I was up here, we talked about the heart. That heart of stone was done away with. That heart that had nothing to do with God at all. That kept this book closed. The average household has about three to four Bibles in it. And the question is, Is are we reading it? Are we applying it? Are we doing what the word says to do? But, these, but the word magnificent here means huge, mega, greatest. What do we know? Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're not condemned anymore. Gary talked about what? Being on trial. It says in Hebrews 10.31, it is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. You're standing before the great white judgment throne, and your name's not in the land's book of life. Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. What are you going to do? We talked about it. We kind of joked in the back. in Sunday school, am I going to, what, slip God a couple bills underneath the table and say, hey, it's, it's okay. You really think he's hurting for money? You think I'm going to change his mind? No. It's who is the question. That's the biggest question. Who? It's Christ. Do you have him or not? And all these promises, where are they found? What are we talking about here? Where are these magnificent and precious promises found? Right here. Right here. The Old Testament is filled with them. The New Testament exploding with it. That should give us hope. That should give us the perseverance. We're going to get through these here because now we're in verse five, and this is kind of be the meat of what we're going to be talking about today. So listen to these. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence. What does that mean? Maximum effort. Maximum effort. Where you you supposed to give your maximum effort? Here we go. In your faith, supply moral excellence. What does this mean? It means that Paul, uh, Peter is already talking about we already have the faith. We're in Christ. Now what do we need to do? Well, the word supply here is to give lav- lavishly or generously. In Greek culture, the word was used for a choir master who was responsible for supplying everything that was needed for the choir. And the word never meant to equip sparingly, but to supply lavishly for a noble performance. How often are we in God's word? So, what are these? So, what are these words? What do these mean? What does moral excellence mean? Well, let's talk about that. So, this is the first in the list of the virtues Peter talks about. It's a, in the classical Greek. It means the God-given ability to perform heroic deeds. It also came to mean the quality of life which made someone stand out as excellent. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to take from that faith. And here's what happens. Many times we get baptized. We make that good confession. And then we, we just sit. And we don't do anything. We neglect to use the gifts and the talents and abilities that we have for God for X, Y, and Z reasons, and, or, we just, we let teachers, and preachers, do the work for us, so that if our life fails, we have someone to point the finger blame on. But the question in this, and this is the hurtful question is, how often are you in your work? Are you, are you supplying to your faith moral excellence? Here's the next one. So with moral excellence, what happens next? Knowledge. Now, we have a good concept of knowledge, but let me tell you what it means. It means understanding, correct insight, truth, properly comprehended, and applied, and applied. This virtue, this virtue involves diligent study and pursuit of truth only found in the Word of God. This isn't merely superficial knowledge, but a deep, intimate, sincere, genuine knowledge of who Christ is and His Holy Word. That's what we're talking about here. And that only comes through reading His Word and praying the Scriptures. Lord, help me to understand. I'll, I'll admit, there are things in this book that are difficult to understand. And what are these magnificent promises? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know what you have in you? You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you to live the life that God has called us to live. He illumines the Scriptures so you can understand it. And I've talked to several people in this, in this church. have told me, and it's such an honor and privilege, that There was a time I didn't understand. I'm right there with you. I didn't understand either. Will you just give up? No. Because what's coming next? Perseverance is coming up soon, but I don't want to jump too far ahead. Next one is what? Self-control. Self-control. What does that mean? Holding oneself in. In Peter's day, Self control was used by athletes who were being self restrained and self disciplined. Any athletes in here? Former athletes? No? Okay. That makes this illustration go. Whoosh. All right. How about this? How about this? We'll get off the athletes thing. How many of you are, be considered profession professionals in your industry where you work at? Come on now. Don't leave me hanging. Yeah. Did you get did you get as good as you were because you just showed up and said, Okay, here I am. What'd you have to do? You'd have to learn, you'd have to get better. The first the, the first day I stepped in a classroom, so I wonder why that teacher didn't like me. She had a 29th student. I don't know what to do. Now, if I would just sort of sat there and, and, and didn't apply myself, didn't increase in knowledge. We might, it's not going to go well. But here, this is talking about the as an athlete, if I go if I go to the Olympics, and I, I try to compete in the high jump, and I never high jump, it's going to be an embarrassment. But you see these athletes, what do they have to do? They have to have special diets. They have to train hours and hours and hours a day. That's self-control. And let's take that a little bit deeper to our spiritual lives because that's what we're talking about here. When you come across temptation, and we know in Titus it says we have a new nature now, the Holy Spirit lives within us, you can say no. You can say no. You know what? That is going to lead to me repenting, and it's also led Jesus to the cross, and nailed him the cross. I'm not going to do that to him. Next time you get angry, I'm not going to let my anger boil over to the point where I sin. I'm not going to do that. No. Maybe there's sicknesses you're going through, illnesses. I am not going to let myself worry and doubt my God. It's easy to do, isn't it? And I'm the chief of that. Kids a little bit get a little bit of cold like, what's going on? Come on now. It's easy to do. Let's go to perseverance. This is, this is one that I, I really enjoy. This is what I, I'm not saying this is our complete focus, but I want you to listen to this. Now, patience or endurance in doing what is right. Never giving into temptation or trial. Perseverance is the spiritual staying power that will die before it gives in. Boy, we need, we need Christians like that today. This world is full of evil, darkness. Isn't it? We need spirit-led, word-of-God-driven believers being lights in this world of darkness. So, after perseverance, godliness... This is, another, this is another, and we talked about this a little bit, but listen to this. For godliness is to be godly is to live reverently, loyally, and obediently to God. Is that us? So what are we supposed to add to our godliness? Brotherly kindness. This is huge in the church today. We need this. And it's not just talking about the men, us, us all. What does this mean? What does brotherly kindness mean? Rodney, I like your singing up there today. Is that what we're talking about? Nate, why are you dressed like that today? Stop. Brotherly affection or brotherly love is mutual sacrifice for one another. It's a tender concern for others reflected in a desire to treat others gently just as the Lord treats all believers. Sacrifice is a big word. You mean I have to do that for Nate? Ugh. I would agree. I have to do that for Bill? For Jim? I don't know. That person who came up and said, I wasn't dressed that good. Okay, you get off that dressing thing. You know what I'm saying? I have to do that? Yes, you do. What did Jesus pray in John 17? He prayed that we'd be united in him. I would encourage you to go read that. So what do we add to brotherly kindness as we start to get towards the end of this is love. And this this is a helpful this is helpful for me. I'm offering this to you. If you don't know what these words mean, there are apps you can find that can give you the Greek. But what love are we talking about? Agape love. What's that? The Greek word agape is often translated love in the New Testament. So how is agape love different from other types of love? Well, agape love is goodwill, benevolent, a willful diet to delight in the object of love, but it's a self-sacrificial type of love. That's God's love. And a, in a better way to understand that, and the best definition we went over this Tuesday in men's study, is 1 Corinthians 13. So this kind of love, it, see, and, and, and it, it's, it just stretches so far. There's, it gets so deep. But listen, is your love this? Patient, kind, not jealous, don't you know you don't brag you're not arrogant you're not rude you don't seek your own you're not easily provoked not easily angered you don't take an account wrong suffered don't rejoice in unrighteousness do you rejoice with the truth do you bear believe hope endure all things This is where it starts getting a little bit uncomfortable. Because this ought to convict you where you sit. All of these that we just read. Listen to verse 8. For if these qualities are yours, number one, and are increasing, what happens? They render you neither useless nor unfruitful. How's your walk been? Do you feel dry? This is the reason why. These are the reasons why. We know what useless means, but this in here means idle. Are you sitting in idle? Are you sitting in neutral? How many of us at a stoplight have ever tried to step on the gas and accidentally shift to neutral? Am I the only one? Thank you. Thank you. And it's embarrassing because I rev the engine. I'm like, I think my car just broke. Oh, it's in neutral. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So if your walk with the Lord is dry or unfruitful, He's not gone. He's not in a different part of the country ignoring you. You're ignoring him. You've unplugged yourself from the power source, from him. How? You're ignoring this. You're ignoring his word. Because he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's right here. It's not God talking to you in in a quiet place in your house. He doesn't talk to you, people. He doesn't talk to you. Sorry to break that to you, but he doesn't talk to you. He doesn't give you special revelation. It's all right here. We have to open it. We have to read it. We have to do it. It's hard. It's hard. But he gives us the power to do it. Do you trust him? Do I trust him? So if these qualities are, again, do you have them first? If you do, are they increasing? Ooh, that means I have to keep moving forward. So are they yours, first off, or and are they increasing? That's another ouch. Because if they are yours, you will be useful and you will be fruitful. And if you read in John, the 15th chapter, if we bear fruit, that brings glory to God. we that in verse 8. It's powerful stuff. Don't you want to please your heavenly Father? I do. I don't do it perfectly. I want to. you got to go bear fruit. This is the way how. Now listen to verse 9. This is another ouch. For he or she who lacks these qualities is blind and or short-sighted, having forgotten his purifications from his former sins. What does short-sighted mean? Can't see that far. I'm nearsighted. I can't, I can't see that far. That's you. That's me, if we're not increasing in these qualities. So if we lack in them. Now listen to the, the verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, there's that word again, diligent to what? To make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. I like this. I like another version better. You will never fall. I don't want you to raise your hands. But how many of us have? How many of us have stumbled in our walk? Don't raise your hand. You can. You can. You can. I'm gonna put both hands up. I surrender. I. I that's me. We've all stumbled. But if we have these qualities and we increase in them, we'll never stumble. Now, this verse 11, when I first read this, so powerful. For in this way, increasing in these qualities, listen to this. The entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly or richly supplied to you. You want a rich welcome into heaven? This is the way. You want to know for sure? This is the way. So, what are we talking about? Going back here and we start to wrap up. Applying to our faith, moral excellence, the knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, Brotherly kindness, and in our brotherly kindness, love. Because love does no wrong to its neighbor. And love is the fulfillment of the law. So you have to ask yourself the question. So it's just like, last time I was up here, we took our heart out, and we examined it, and we looked at it. That was another ouch. The same thing here. Do I have these qualities? Ask yourself now. Not later, right now. Do I have these qualities right now? Some of them like, hmm yeah I, I got some work to do. That's where you can start. There's your starting point. You leave this you leave this building today and you pray, Lord, I am lacking in this or many different maybe you're lacking in all of them. I don't love the brothers as I should. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get a little bit idle. I'm starting to, my perseverance is starting to fizzle out. <sighs> this week was really hard with self-control. We need to pray the prayer. And it, it wasn't a prayer, but a father brought a demon-possessed son to Jesus And he said, Lord, if you can help him, please. And Jesus said, if you can. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. How can you help your unbelief? You get in his word and you pray. You pray the scriptures. Lord, please help me to be morally excellent. Please help me to have all these qualities. Because in doing so, you will be fruitful and you will receive a rich welcome into heaven. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? And guess who gives us all things that pertain to life in this? God. He did that by sending his son so that when you put your trust and faith in him and him alone, and you confess him as your Lord and you get baptized, you get the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit enables you to live the life that you cannot live on your own. That's the promise. And that we have to endure to the end. That's hard. It's like this world is caving in on us. We already know who wins. So the question today, as we close, is this. Do you possess these qualities, and are you increasing in them? Am I doing those things, not you? Ask yourself. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for today. Lord, there's many things in your word that we try to obey and learn, and sometimes they're difficult. Lord, today I pray that it would be made known to them what these spiritual qualities are, that they would see where we as people are and what we're lacking. And that we would turn to you, God, because you have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we trust you, God. Help us, God, to take what we've learned today and apply it to our lives. Help us, God, to increase these qualities, Lord, so that we can know for sure that our salvation is sure. We give you, God, the glory in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.